Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, we are in the second week of our series called Surviving the Silly Season. Okay, so if you weren't here last week, um, the big idea behind this series is that Christmas is a mixed bag. If you've ever heard that, that term, something is a mixed bag. It is a combination of some things which are good and bad and indifferent. And so when we come to Christmas, here's what we recognize, that Christmas has some fun things. Christmas, I hope that you have some really fun, healthy, um, amazing traditions that you do personally or you do with your family around Christmas time because it's so much fun. So we've got fun things. We've also got some sad things. Now, Christmas reminds us sometimes the season, sometimes it reminds us of loss. Sometimes it reminds us of what we once had but don't have, and maybe that's a family member, and that is that is a real thing. Christmas is also a hard, includes some hard things, like that family member that you have to have Christmas with. You know the one that you're thinking about right now as I'm saying that. Maybe your crazy auntie or your mother-in-law, or is that just me? No, I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. She's amazing. And so all these things in the lead up to Christmas, they have an effect on us. And I think that's what makes it the silly season. Now, last week I spoke about busyness. And who is not just, who doesn't just understand this, but who actually feels that coming into Christmas, you speed up to slow down? Who is feeling that pressure right now? In terms of all the catch ups, in terms of all the work deadlines, all the commitments that you made, I'm going to do this before the end of the year. So last week I spoke about that. And so there are three pressures. One of those is busyness. The other one is finances. And the last one is relationships. And so today I'm going to be talking about finances in the lead up. Now, I said that Christmas is a mixed bag. We've got the fun things. We've got the sad things. We've got the hard things. But the purpose of this series is to remind us about the Jesus things, that Jesus, we know this, Jesus is the Christ in Christmas. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is God's chosen one. And when Jesus is in the room, the atmosphere changes. When Jesus is in the room, he is a bringer of hope and of healing and of peace and of reconciliation. And his presence brings wholeness. Now, my hope as part of this is that the wholeness and the life of Jesus would not just be present within you, but would actually be present coming out of you and around you as we head into this Christmas season. Because who knows, the world needs more peace, the world needs more hope, and guess what? If you call yourself a Christian, a Jesus follower, you're God's chosen method to bring that hope and that healing in your world. And I think that's a very, very exciting thing. So as we come into this, if, 
If we say that Christmas is a, a mixed bag, what we're doing in this series is we're actually taking time to sort between the things in the bag, to say, okay, this is good, or this is unhealthy, or this is something that I need to deal with because this is tough, and that's what we're doing and talking about. Now, last week I said this phrase, I think it's important, we need to be wise, not weird. Okay, so if you come out of this series going, Andrew said to cancel Christmas, not buy anyone any gifts, and fast on Christmas Day. If you come out with that, you have misheard me. That's not what I'm talking about. We are talking about some other things here, being wise and not weird. So today I'm going to talk about finances. Why am I going to talk about finances? Well, the the reason I'm going to talk about finances is that few things dominate our thoughts, demand our attention, and capture our imagination like finances do. Is this true? And at Christmas, it's often a time where what we have or don't have hits hard. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. And one of the reasons is that Christmas, at Christmas time, the marketing advertising machine that is at work in our society and our culture goes over time. Do you know that coming up to Christmas, Aussies are projected to spend $67 billion in the next lead up from November to in the two months leading up, $67 billion. Do you know what it is in America? It's projected to be $984 billion on Christmas spending. Now, our marketers and advertisers know that. That's their job. And do you know the average person will be exposed to 10,000 advertising messages a day? That's a lot, right? If you're out and about, if you're on your phone, if you're driving, you're going to see 10,000 advertising messages. And a lot of them are, spend your money. Spend your money on this. Let me tell you about something that you didn't know that existed that now you need and you have to have. Okay, so my background is sales and marketing. That is exactly how it works. Now, Jesus talked a lot about money. Did you know this? About 15% of the quantity of his recorded teachings are about money. And 11 out of his 39 parables dealt with money. Why? Good question, right? Why did Jesus talk about money? Because he knew Few things dominate our thoughts, demand our attention, and capture our imagination like money. Now, feel free to disagree with me, but Jesus is interested not primarily in our money, but primarily in our hearts. Here's what he said. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Is that true? I think it's true for me. The place where your treasure is, is the place where you most want to be and end up being. You know, the last thing is, bad financial decisions never make for a good life. Who knows that's to be true. When you make a bad financial decision, you do not have a good life. So we're talking about money. Now, when it comes to money, and in fact, life, 
Jesus is a truth teller. Who's heard of that phrase, a truth teller? Someone who does not hesitate in telling you like it is. However, they do that because they love you and they want you to benefit from that. Do you have a truth teller in your life? Yeah, I hope that you do. It's based out of genuine love and a desire to serve. So we're going to read uh, this scripture. It'll be You can read along Luke chapter 12, and uh, it'll be up on the screen, or you can read along in your own Bible. And this is Jesus saying, and he says this, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Okay, Jesus is straight to the point, right? He's a truth teller. He's telling us what we need to hear. And as we go into this passage, we need to understand that we need to be active and aware of the impact that money can have on our hearts and our actions, our life and our relationships. And in the kingdom of God, God has a different way of looking at money and a different philosophy on how to navigate our life with money. So let's go and read this story. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? Okay, good problem. I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now one of the things that I want to say is as I talk about money, I'm not saying that money is evil. I'm not saying that having money is bad. I'm not saying that you shouldn't choose to uh, pursue business interests and career in which you can generate money. We're talking about something that is deeper than that. And in this passage, we see that there are four tricks that money plays on our minds. The first one, money can give us a false sense of security. Money can give us a false sense of security. One of the things that I'm uh, fascinated by is uh, there's a lot of news reports about how billionaires are trying to defy the aging process. Have you seen any of those online? So there's different kinds of diets. There's this one billionaire who uh, is going to use cryogenesis. So he's going to freeze his body until science catches up with the technology. So after he dies, and then he believes that there is going to be enough uh, technology for him to be come back to life. Okay, unfortunately, he's probably more likely going to be like that piece of steak that you forgot about in the back of your freezer. So they're trying to play God. They're, they're thinking that they can hack the system of life. The second thing is that money can lead us to be obsessed with ourselves. In the parable that I just wrote, there were six eyes and three mys. What should I do? I don't have enough room. I know I'll tear down my barns 
and I'll have room enough to store my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have stored away for years to come. It can lead us to be obsessed with ourselves. Money can also give us the illusion that we possess it. Who knows this to be true? If you think that you possess money, make a diary note a hundred years from now and see how you're going with that goal. One of the most famous uh, and well-known stories about people believing that they possess money is that of Tutankhamun. Who knows the, the story of Tutankhamun? Tutankhamun's tomb. Okay, so Tutankhamun, small guy, five, five foot six. Okay, five foot small. Who's five foot six here? You don't know, you don't have to self-identify. If you're five foot six, you are very healthy, healthy high. You're, can you hear the sound of a unicycle pedaling backwards, backtracking? So he became king when he was nine years old. And for the next 10 years, not only was he king, but he was worshipped as a god. And his idea when he died at the age of 19, probably because of complications with a broken leg, his idea that he would fill this tomb with rare and precious artifacts for him to take into the afterlife. Okay, so in the tomb that they found in 1922, there were 5,000 different artifacts of all different kinds which were incredibly valuable. In fact, it took them over 10 years to catalogue all of those things. But did Tutankhamun actually take that into the afterlife? No. They found his body 1,500 years later and all the stuff was still there. Money can give us the illusion we possess it. And the fourth thing is that money can deceive us to think that it's best spent on our best life. We can think that the purpose of money is for us. But here's what God says. But God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Have you ever noticed that phrase before? It's a bit of a funny phrase. What does it actually mean for a person to be rich towards God. And the first thing that we can say is that we will always be rich towards something, meaning that the money that we possess will always have a direction and an object. In the first part of the story, the contrast is this person was rich towards themselves. They were the focus of their money. But Jesus in this, in this story says, God says, no, I want you to be rich towards me. But why towards God? It seems a little bit odd. And so we're going to have a look at how Jesus answers this question and unpacks this, not to the crowd, but actually to the disciples, we'll see. And it's fascinating that in this next part, he talks about the headspace that money consumes, worry, anxiety, and fear. Why? Why does Jesus talk about the headspace money consumes? Because he knows few things 
right? Few things dominate our thoughts, demand our attention, and capture our imagination like money does. So verse 22, here he says, Turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns and God feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than any birds? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for his flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire, tomorrow he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about the thing, such things. All these things, what do they do? They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. If we take a moment to actually allow the words of Jesus to impact us, I think it's incredibly calming, don't you think? God is saying, I know that you have financial needs, I know that they are legitimate. He's not delegitimizing your needs, but he's saying, I want you to rest and I want you to have a mental break and I want you to be free from anxiety and worry that comes with thinking about finances and about money. And I think that's a powerful thing. I want to say, To you personally, right now, if you are worried about money, worried about having enough money, maybe enough money just to put food on the table or pay your rent, or maybe enough money for uh, Christmas presents for your family members, I want to say that God cares about that. And I want to encourage you to seek God about that and to just trust that He can provide for you. And the first step towards being rich towards God is dealing with financial anxiety and worry. It's dealing with financial anxiety and worry. Here's why. Worry won't change anything about your financial situation. It won't change anything. I've tried it. It's ineffective. But trusting God will. And so we have a call always to make money second place to God in our life. This is the main point, right? The the starting point. For us to be rich towards God, if we choose that as a goal as Jesus followers, we need to always have money second place to God. And there's an encouragement when we trust God that that's actually, an ex- that's actually an active process where we exercise our faith in the area of finances. It was probably about 16 years ago, uh, I was in Sydney and my wife and I were living in this little house that we bought when we got married. And I'd get up at that time 
at about 5 or 5.30, every morning before work, I worked um, in the city. I had a job that I, I loved um, in sales and marketing. I got up every morning about 5, 5.30, and what I used to do is I used to pray for this church. And it was a time in my life where I had a dream from God, but that dream was not working out. Is anyone in that? You don't have to put your hand up. Just kind of subtly nod without moving any of your body parts. You know, I was in a, in a time in my life where I had a dream which I knew was from God. It was not a selfish dream, but it was not working out. And so I'd get up every morning and I would pray because I believed that God had put in Rebecca and my heart the desire to plant a church in Brisbane, and we were in Sydney. And I'd pray. And I remember one morning... I prayed this prayer. I said, God, with this church, I said, I don't want to have to worry about money because I think that I will have other things on my mind. That's what I prayed. Personal prayer. And do you know what God answered that prayer? It is an exercise of our faith towards trusting God in every area of our life. And so if you're in a situation... now. I want to kind of add a couple of things here. Yes, I have a budget. I track money, okay? I, I'm aware of what comes in and goes out. Not worrying about money is not just about being blasé or carefree. But I don't lose any night's sleep over the rising cost of living or rent or, or mortgage repayments. Why? Because I have a deep trust that God will provide. How has God provided for me and us as part of this spectacularly and in uncommon ways and not always predictable ways? Do you know that God wants to do the same to you and the same with you, that if you have a need that either requires money or the things that or money would, would buy it? Like, so if you have an, a need in your life, maybe it's a need for accommodation, or a new place to rent, or you're looking to buy a house, or you have needs to put food on the table, I want to say that God cares about them. And here's the part, your entry point into that is the activation of your faith to say, God, I believe your word, and I believe you are who you said you are. And so I want to encourage you that any person can step into that zone because the Bible is for everyone. You don't have to get to a certain level. There's no kind of belting system like white and brown and black and double black. There's no kind of Christian ranking system. It's just about people that take God as his word and say, God, I am going to believe you. I'm going to trust you in this area. Is that good? Okay. We're going to verse 33. And Jesus said, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. 
Now, there's two things that we understand about money in the kingdom of God. Now, when I say the kingdom of God, money in the kingdom of God describes the way that the world operates when God is in control. It describes the system of how God thinks about things and how things operate in the kingdom of God, which is often in contrast with the kingdom of the world. Now, there's two things that we need to understand. And the first is this, is that money makes a difference in eternity. Money makes a difference in eternity. The second thing that we understand is that Jesus takes the use of our money personally. Jesus takes the use of our money personally. Let me unpack this. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, when we get to heaven, we will be welcomed and Jesus will say, thank you, for what you provided. Thank you for the resources that you provided. Thank you for that meal that you gave me. Thank you for that cup of water that you gave me. Thank you that I was a stranger and you looked out for me and you provided resources. Thank you that I was lonely and you came to visit me. This is what it says in Matthew 25. And the people in in Matthew uh, in the story will say to Jesus, Jesus, I, I never did that for you. And Jesus says, no, you didn't do it for me, but every time you use your resources to bless and care for other people, it's like you're doing it to me. What is he saying? I take it personally in the most wonderful possible way that every time we express an act of generosity to someone, Jesus is saying, thank you. It's actually ministry to Jesus. He loves it. He delights it, delights in it. And Jesus takes our use of money personally, and our money makes a difference in eternity. Here's a sobering thing, and if you call yourself a Jesus follower, this is for you, is that we give an account in heaven of how we used our money. It's a sobering thought, but it's a true thing. So let's continue to define this Question, how can we be rich towards God? Let me say a couple of things. We're rich towards God when we give up our anxiety and our worry. We're rich towards God when we realize that money is not just for us. We're rich towards God when we're rich towards the poor. We're rich towards God when we're rich towards the stranger, towards the person that we don't know and can never receive any benefit from. We are rich towards God when we're rich towards the mission of the local church, which is God's primary agent for generosity and transformation on the earth. We are rich towards God when we ask God how we should spend his money. One of my favorite Uh, Pastors, preachers, and commentators, R. Kent Hughes, says this, There are rich and poor too who are rich towards God because they use what God has given them for others. He says, The scriptures celebrate such people, the well-to-do centurion who built a synagogue for God's people, the hospitable home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, where Jesus found respite, The well-connected women who supported Jesus' ministry, all these wealthy people were rich towards God. And the way to become rich toward God is to invest in Christ's church and in the lives of people. 
He goes on to say the key to all this is not the adoption of a particular lifestyle, meaning it's not about what you have or what you don't have, but it is to give and give and give and give because to do so is to invest and invest and invest and invest to become rich towards God. I want to just take a moment to talk about a couple of ways coming into Christmas about how we can be rich towards God, some practical steps. The first thing that I want to say is this, is that you, if you have given to uh, City Lights in the last three months, you have given to all of these things because 10% of every uh, all the tithes and offerings that we receive goes to missions, community, and care. So the Middle East humanitarian crisis, uh, a church plant for another church, um, we've given to YWAM Brisbane and also the, uh, some new initiatives they're doing in Japan, SU chaplaincy work in Ukraine, Thailand, uh, a citywide uh, prayer meeting, and also another church's new building. Why? Why would we do that? Because corporately, as a church and as the people of God, God has called us to be rich towards Him. You know that um, I just looked up the latest stats in the life of this church. At the moment, we have given away $66,000 to missions, community, and care as a group of people. So we praise God. Come in at Christmas, and I'm going to invite uh, Naomi back. I know that as part of this message, the most powerful part is the Holy Spirit is speaking to each and every one of us about what has our heart. There's two things that we want to do coming into Christmas as we choose to be a church that is rich towards God. And the first is that we are going to continue to give towards the humanitarian crisis in the Middle East. If you've seen any of the news, I think it's... Well, well over 600,000, maybe even getting up to a million people, I don't know the exact stats. A lot of people are displaced. This is a true example of when we get into heaven and Jesus says, thank you so much for, for providing a, a tent, for providing a meal, for providing clean water. For, for that person. We'll say, God, I never, I never met that person. And he'll say, yeah, you did. You, you gave towards that. Strangers, we'll, we'll probably never meet those people. But God loves them. And it's our responsibility to do, to play a part, whatever part that is, in helping those people. So I want to encourage you to do that. You can do that. Um, there's some envelopes up the back. If you just write missions, all of that money will go towards that. We're going to take up, this is going to be an extra offering. And uh, I think it's significant. I think it's worth talking about and worth prioritizing. The other thing that we're going to do, and you'll find out more about this in a couple of weeks, is something called Hidden Heroes. So we're going to equip you with a little card that says thank you. And so what we would love for you to do is find somebody who you don't know 
who does things that you know are probably not recognized. Like maybe someone who works in your local shopping center cleaning the toilets. And here's what we want to do is we want to encourage you to buy like a small gift of chocolates and you don't have to know their name and you just write in that card, thank you so much for everything that you do and then you give it to them. Does that sound like a good idea? That sounds, I think that sounds like a great way for us to release the heart of Jesus and the generosity of Jesus at this time. Why don't you stand to your feet? Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.